So I'm going to be talking today about doing the difficult. And I never um, have ever seen myself as a preacher. Uh, but when I was a kid, my mom used to sing this song to us, and it goes like this. Do you know, oh Christian, you're a sermon in shoes? <laughs> and it goes on and on and on. In fact, if I sing it in the second service, she's going to sing it with me. So all of us are preaching something every day. We're preaching something with um, the choices we make and the way we choose to walk this life. So I have some news for you today that the Bible tells us, and you know, when we pick our verses to read for the week, this is not usually the verse we want to pick. But this is what the Bible says. It says, there's going to be trouble in this life. I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world, you will, everybody say, you have, yep. You're going to have a few problems. It's true. How many of you have faced difficulties this week? Some, something has been difficult this week. I went down in our basement this morning, and uh, we have a, a pest control company. We pay them. They actually just came last Wednesday. But um, the first thing that I saw this morning was a squirrel in my basement. <laughs> and I don't want a squirrel in my basement. And I felt that that was a difficulty. And so when I get home, I'm going to have to I'm going to have to um, find out how the squirrel got in my basement because all of us, we have difficulties. We have difficulties in work. We have physical challenges in our life. We have limitations. Sometimes it's just perceived limitations. Sometimes we just make up our own problems. Sometimes our difficulties are us. Relationships. It's so hard to have peace. The church of Jesus Christ should be the place where there's the most peace because we all know the peacemaker, right? It's always a place filled with conflict. Why? Because in this life we have trouble. Humanity dwells amongst us. And when sin entered the world, the process of degradation came with it. We live in this world. Life is tough. There's something in all of us that was born to long for the miraculous. Do you agree? We long to see God's power, and we long to see God do things that we have not experienced in the natural. And I'm going to tell you something in my own life. I have experienced the miraculous so often that sometimes it seems commonplace to me. 
when I look back at all the <laughs> miracles of all the buildings that the Lord has given BCA so that we could accomplish things, every one of them has been a miracle, a true miracle. When I tell people not associated with it, they're always astounded. They cannot believe God's goodness just because it's so out of the ordinary. But I'm going to tell you something. With every single miraculous thing that I have been involved in, there has been the requirement to do something difficult. What can we learn from Scripture about the difficult? Well, when I look in the Scripture, and I love stories, <clears throat> I always read stories, and if you ever come to BCA Chapel, you know I tell a story a week. I think we all learn great from stories. So I love to go in the Bible and find the stories of people who had to do difficult things. So today, I want to share with you a few really difficult things that happened. Like, for instance, Jeremiah. He has this job of buying land in a region that had been captured by the Babylonians. And his mission was to preserve Israel's ownership in an occupied nation. And it wasn't easy. It was difficult. But because he did that, that paved the way for the miraculous to happen. Miriam, think about Miriam. Miriam's mom sends her with this contraband, this illegal baby, this, this child that was supposed to have been registered so that they could take care of all of the overpopulation of, of Israelite males. Now, Miriam had a few problems. She had some difficulties facing her. Number one, she was a female in a male-run world. She was a slave because her, her nationality happened to be Jewish. She was under the authority of her parents still. She had all those things facing her. And she had to just stand in the bulrushes knowing. Can you imagine anything more difficult than knowing that your baby brother who has been in your home, you've cared for him, and now whatever happens to him is at the fate of the unknown. Just take a minute and think of how hard that was. But because she obeyed and waited, she was able to step out at the right time and announce something so incredible. I have a nurse. And that baby went right back to his mama, right back to where he could hear truth, and right back where he could be prepared to lead the, the children of Israel. And that obedience and that difficulty that she faced 
paved the way for the Red Sea opening, water turning, coming out of a rock, and all the manna from heaven, the fire by night, the cloud by day, all of the miracles that we have been a part of in the stories we have told, that obedience was the beginning. That difficulty was the beginning. The Bible has great stories. Today's story is found in John 11. And I'm going to tell you this story real quick. Jesus was friends with these folks. They were close friends. And Jesus and his, uh, the men that he was mentoring and teaching were away from his friends, Mary and Martha and Lazarus and the people there at Bethany. They had traveled away from Bethany, and Bethany was still an important place, and it was still a place that they were a part of that community. So Lazarus gets ill. And everybody can tell, ooh, he's pretty sick. He, he, he does not, Lazarus does not look good. And his two sisters, they confer and they're like, mm, it doesn't look good. This, sin for Jesus. We know he's got miracle working power. Sin for Jesus. By the way, what a smart move on their part. I'm going to tell you, if you have trouble, sin for Jesus. Now they sin for Jesus. Jesus gets the news. You think he ran right over there? You think he was like, ooh, they have an immediate urgent need. I'm going to go solve that immediate urgent need. I'm Jesus, and they're not. No, he, um, he says to his disciples, I want everyone to know about the miraculous power of God. Read it in the scripture. Eventually, they gather their things. They take the trek. They get there. The people are waiting for them to come. And Mary and Martha, by this time, have whipped themselves into a frenzy of irritation with Jesus. They're annoyed with him. Why did you wait so long? He's already dead. You messed up. And all those people, all of them had experienced the difficulty of death. They'd gone through all the process of death. They had even had a burial. Jesus missed the burial. He waited. Because Jesus loved, and I love this part of the scripture so much, Because he loved his friends, when he recognized the depth of their despair, what does the Bible say? He was moved with 
compassion. He wept. What a God we serve. What a God we serve. Jesus always weeps with you when you're sorrowed, guys. And those people who were close to him did not mind being sad in front of him. They had met the physical presence of God, and still they understood his compassion for their humanity. If you are facing difficult things, I'm going to tell you something. Your humanity might dictate sorrow. Invite Jesus for the sorrow. So then we get to John eleven thirty eight, 38, and I'm going to read this to you. Then Jesus, deeply moved again, came to the tomb. Think about that. Jesus is visiting death. It was a cave, and a stone lay against it. And Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, by this time there will be an odor, for he has been dead four days. Let me tell you guys, some of your difficulties stink so bad. And there's an odor. And Jesus said to her, Did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? I love this last part. So they... What did they do? They took away the stone. Today, I want to challenge you. Take away some stones. If you're facing the difficulty of death and you feel like Jesus hasn't come on time, invite him in. Invite him to your sorrow. Invite him to your difficulty. Invite him to the tomb. And when he tells you to do something difficult, I want to encourage you to roll the stone away. Now, if you think that stone was a nice, smooth, round stone, I'm going to tell you something. Those stones were, they were very difficult to move. In fact, gravestones typically weighed uh, about 1,500 to 3,000 pounds. They did not want the stink getting into the community, and so they did their best to seal it up. The threat of death stink was not just, you know, a, a likelihood. It was, it was assured. You're going to roll that stone away, and then what's going to happen? It's going to smell bad. And some of us, that's why we don't roll the stone away, because we have so much knowledge of the natural and so much little belief in the supernatural. And Jesus reminded them of the supernatural. He said, didn't I tell you? You're going to get to see the glory of God. Clearly, Jesus' power 
is the highlight of this story. But wait, is there something for you guys? Pastoring here, I'm going to tell you, I've watched people's lives transformed by the power of God, but when they face difficulty, they do the things that we typically do. They start blaming either themselves or others. Relationships get wounded because of difficulty. We struggle with the stink of death, and we're afraid to roll stones away. And I want to challenge you guys to begin to walk your life understanding there is miraculous power in knowing God. Why would powerful Jesus require humans to participate in the miraculous? Why didn't he just, like, twinkle his nose? I mean, somebody got raised from the dead, you guys. Why, why did they have to roll the stone away? I guarantee you, if it was me, I would have already had a plan. If I, was, if I could raise someone from the dead, I would have created a plan for removing the stone myself because, you know, I want to be sure everything gets done the way I want it done. You don't think that Jesus is like me? Apparently not. He's going to trust you people to do things like roll the stone away. Amen. Why does he need us to participate? Um, I'm going to introduce you to Shana. This is Shana. Where are you? Can you hand Shana a microphone? Your microphone's way over on this side. This is Shana. She's tiny. She wasn't um, the top student at BCA when she graduated. She was not. Uh, she didn't get the highest grades. Um, she, <laughs> she is not a public preacher. Um, after Shana went to Master's Commission, she came home to serve in her childhood church. And that is a hard thing to do. Because people, you know, even Jesus was like, hmm, I don't know, at home they don't think I'm so great, right? Everybody knew you when you were a kid. Um, Shana has the heart of a servant, and she came to serve her church in whatever capacity was necessary. And she eventually ended up at Compassion New England in the Blessing Barn. And now Shana has um, a key leadership role. She runs the crisis care program in Mattapan and here in Minden. And she also um, is in charge of our warehouse staff. And uh, really, Shana is always keeping the wheels of the barn turning. That's, that's really what she does. So, um, Shana, tell us a little bit about the life of a donations receiving strategist. I think I have a, video, a picture maybe to show a recent 
Yeah, tell us about this life. Yes, I'm ridiculous. Um, <clears throat> well, starting my day is always the communication and prep of deciding um, what needs to happen first, um, which is always a juggling act, clearly. Um, prepping for the maybe 25% of what we know what's coming in. Most of it, we have no idea what's coming in, and so I'm communicating with people who have reached out to us for clothing and furniture, um, and trying to, what you saw previously, was preparing the way for the furniture that's coming in um, so that we can accept more, as well as communicating again to, sometimes it's 100 emails um, over the weekend. Of the little, again, that's about 20% 20, 20 maybe of people responding to us. The majority of it, we have no idea what's coming, so I'm just kind of guessing on what should be the priority that day um, of what's coming in and who to send it to and where to send it, whether it's prepping for Mattapan or up on our main floor, basement level, um, volunteers that are coming in. So basically, you have a perfectly ideal facility to work in. <laughs> We've come a long way. A really long way. Praise um, God. You see um, the pictures up there? That, yeah, that, I always have to look at the weather because if it's raining before, I need to wear my rain boots. Um, and yeah. also, I'm cold when I walk in, but then sweating because I'm going up and down stairs so many times and moving furniture, so I have to be mindful of that. But this is really like, this is a blessing to us, only having that much water. Um, yeah, because we, we, have come we used up. to uh, have about this much water every time it rained, and recently, we've just gotten it down to this. It's been great. We're Amen. figuring it out, but we're, we're inside and we're outside, and one level receiving um, is a big deal, so, and that's helpful. So dealing with this rain and snow and sometimes it, critters and friends. And <laughs> what's the temperature like? Whatever the temperature is outside. Sometimes worse, depending on the wind and the greenhouse effect. And so it can be cold? Yes, very, very cold, and you're trying to price things and clean things. Um, so trying to wear the proper things, but still being able to move. I don't know. I don't want to sound dramatic, but. Um, so basically, once it comes in, then you have a lot of people to deal with where it's going? or We have a tremendous team, but a very small team. People would never believe how much we're able to get. I, we can't believe how much we're able to get done, but it's never ending because we do have our small, amazing team, but it is a small core staff, just a few people in the warehouse on rotation. So if one person's sick or their child's sick and you're out, that leaves one person downstairs and you have a piece of furniture coming in, running up, dealing with that, back down, you know. Would you say working at the Blessing Barn is difficult? Yes. <laughs> Don't mind me as I walk with a limp. <laughs> Yeah, so what about crisis care? That must be, like, so glamorous. You just answer the phone, you pray with people. It must be, like, amazing. Like, everybody wants to do crisis care. Amazing, yes. But it just adds that umph, like, a thousand times more of why our job is difficult because it's more than just... I don't mind. I call myself the human elevator. Like, I love to work with my hands. That's what my body, like, God created me to be able to do that stuff. But I don't know when I'm going to get a call. The crisis center lines are directed to my phone because we don't have someone on staff at our crisis center all the time. So I can get a call in the midst of moving a piece of furniture. Of someone who's living in their vehicle, has nothing, or maybe fleeing their country with eight kids literally last two weeks ago. Um, 
And in that moment, trying to figure out, yes, amazing, we've had blankets, we've had diapers and formula and all these resources from our community, which is absolutely amazing. But that all meant processing those donations and tracking them the best way possible so that in that moment, we can quickly access them, meet with that client, listen to their story. Um, and sometimes it's, it is easy. They walk in our doors or we plan um, an appointment with them and we're able to give them the resources that they need right away. Um, but sometimes, 10 minutes later, they're checking out at the register and they're buying jewelry. <laughs> You're like, wait. <laughs> so it's just this emotionally exhausting and physically exhausting. And almost every morning, I'm sitting in the parking lot saying, God, give me the energy today. Holy Spirit, speak to my heart and our team's heart to walk in the doors and know how to handle anything that's coming, whether it's 200 boxes. <laughs> or um, a family that's gonna walk in our doors that we have to be able to help. And now we're in Mattapan, which is amazing, but we don't, it's very small. So we have to plan ahead and know what we need to send there when they need it. And so often, yes, they may have what they need right away, but we need to be able to prep and know what to send them ahead of time so that they have the diapers, they have the formula, a lot of babies coming in those doors. Um, uh, so yeah, the crisis center aspect is, the part that kind of keeps us going and I try to do my best to communicate with our staff because I am one of the only um, care representatives. We do have a few other and we have some of you amazing people who have volunteered. Um, and we couldn't, I can't do it without our volunteers. Um, Tell us about the picture <clears throat> that's next, which is of um, Turner, yeah, tell us about this. Yeah, that was one of those days where Marilyn and I both were, um, feeling exhausted of what we're doing the day-to-day -day and um, people aren't always nice and sometimes your energy's here but through again team effort Maryland partnering with the community and um, it Tell was just absolutely we, amazing so we why had we got that so a lot of you know that there was um, what over how many 300. individuals 300 just coming to Boston area right there was over a thousand under the Texas Bridge um, and about 300 were sent into our Boston area with nothing, families, um, babies, they send over the families first. Um, and so we had reached out to the community saying, we have a lot of these families coming to the crisis center, mostly in Mattapan, but also here needing resources. So we put out a wish list and next thing we know, package after package after package, like I said, I go into my day kind of guessing what's gonna happen. I had no idea that I'd be outside the rest of the day dealing with over 200 packages from the community. It was really miraculous, wasn't it? It was. Um, it was, and it was just a reminder of this is why we're doing what we're doing. Um, and we still have some diapers up in our overflow room, um, which is amazing that we can continually, for the longest time, that was one resource that, and I know that that will dwindle down when we're hopefully, prayerfully get those items again. Um, but that was one thing that we could hardly keep up with was diapers for families because you don't exactly get those donated to a thrift store. Um, and now we have a room where we can, I can just run upstairs, grab a few boxes and send them to Mattapan. Newborn is still something that we need a lot. But again, that was a moment where Marilyn used her skills and um, was able to reach out to our community and we're able to be the hands and feet, and it's a good reminder. Um, but this is what we're doing. And if it's not those boxes of diapers, it's people's good stuff, junk stuff that we're resourcing so that we can sell and continue to do that. Thank you, Shana. Now, why do we do this? 
um, the difficult paves the way for the miraculous. I want you to meet Donna. So, <laughs> Donna um, has been my friend really for the last four years. I would say we've become friends in the last four years, but I'm going to have Donna tell you her story. How did you end up um, at c &E? Well, I ended up at c and &E. um, I came to Milford homeless with two eight-year-olds, alcoholic, and nothing but a bag of dirty laundry. Uh, I was told about c and &E and Compassion New England about their programs, and I went down to the Blessing Barn, and I, I met a wonderful woman, Brandy, and she helped me out, and she gave me the booklet to get everything I needed to start my home and everything and close everything. And I was just so overwhelmed with the compassion and the love that she showed me that it, it brought me to serve and go to the Blessing Barn and volunteer. So as I volunteered, and I was still drinking at the time, so, you know, and after a while, I. I decided I was going to come to church. Something told me to come to church. Well, I came to church, and as I was standing there and, and singing these songs, I felt a strong presence in my heart that told me, Donna, it's time. You need to stop. I stand here today I'll be five months, five years sober next month. <laughs> my kids are graduating high school this year. I have my own home, and I just bought a brand new car. So God does work miracles. He is, he's there, and he's, ever since I let him into my heart, he has done miraculous things for me. Miraculous. You know, part of Donna's story is Shana. She wasn't the person who met with Donna. Donna didn't immediately give up alcohol. She did not immediately change her life. This is a long story. And while she was in this journey, Shana, her number one responsibility was sorting. Number one responsibility was taking in stuff at the Milford Blessing Barn, managing it and sorting it and getting it on the floor. She wasn't, you know, she, she really just was in the trenches every single day doing hard things, every day. Now, I did not bring her in and say, listen, Shana, if you do this, I promise you there's going to be a lady named Donna, and the reason you're going to do this is because Donna and her kids are going to be transformed by having a place ready and waiting for compassion to be real and for compassion to look like Jesus would look. Because I didn't know the Donna. Sometimes the life you are waiting for isn't evident while you're doing the difficult. 
But I'm going to tell you something. Donna's life was transformed because of Shana's investment, because of Christy's investment, because of Brandy's investment, because of Helen Matson's investment, because way down the line, Andrea Ogman's investment and Nancy Meehan's investment and the Campbell's investment and all those people that did the difficult share in the glory of God. This is what... Um, this is what Donna does today. So tell them what you do today, Donna. That's Donna with the lampshade, and that's <laughs> Jeff. Well, now I take control of bringing in all the donations. Uh, it's, it's a hard job. It's very physical. Uh, we can get up to two to 300 boxes a day. You have to go through all kinds of boxes. You find nasty stuff. <laughs> you find dirty stuff. <laughs> Sometimes you find that's some your really tent. weird stuff. We're happy about the tent. This is what I work in. This is what we all work in. I mean, it's not ideal, but it's, it, we make do with what we have. Um, it could be cold. It could be bitter. You can't feel your extremities. <laughs> uh, you're sweating. You know, it, does, it doesn't matter. At the end of the day, you have that, that peace, that inner peace and gratitude knowing that you're making a difference in somebody else's life. Maybe another Donna. Maybe another Donna just like me. And it makes, it makes my life complete knowing that I am making a difference in somebody else's life. Thank you, Donna. Thanks. What's your difficult? What difficult thing do you need to keep doing or start doing? What stone do you need to roll away? I believe in a Jesus that can talk to you. He will come when you call him. If you're his friend, he's on his way. What difficult thing do you need to do? And I believe Jesus has said, take the stone away to some of you. For some of you, it might be that you need to roll the stone the difficult of parenting with authority. So God can do the miraculous thing of giving you a family of children who will serve and love him and obey him. For some of you, it's a forgiveness battle. You've got to do the difficult thing of forgiving so you can see new life happen. For some of you, you're facing impossible medical situations. You're facing stuff that you couldn't even imagine you would have the ability to face and still be standing. I'm telling you, invite Jesus. Invite Jesus. He's going to come and he's going to say to you just like he said to Mary and Martha. Didn't I tell you? You will see the glory of God. Didn't I tell you? You will see his glory. I'm going to invite us today
to take the difficult things in our life. Once you just take your hand, imagine that difficult thing. Just outstretch your hand with the difficult thing in your life. I want you to close your eyes, and I want you to invite to whatever tomb you have, <laughs> Jesus first. And that I want you to commit to rolling the stone away. That you will do all the difficult things that are ahead so you can see the glory of God. Jesus, we invite you. We invite you to every place that we think stinks. Every place where death has had a stronghold. And we agree to do all the difficult so that you can show your glory. I pray that this week we will begin to agree with you that you are mighty and powerful and able to do abundantly above all we could ever ask or think. Most of all, we invite you to be present for our sorrow and our fear. And we know your presence can change everything. In Jesus' name. Amen.